I went into this just dark area in life where I was just mad why this is happening to me. It all came down to, all right, I'm pissed at everything, but let me stop making excuses and just look at myself and just deal with what I can handle, what I'm in control of. That's literally how it started. From Outside Magazine, this is The Daily Rally. Short stories of resilience in the face of big challenges and unexpected adventures. Today, an athlete falls in love with his biggest fear after this. My full name is Hella Sidibe. I have a nickname, Hella Good, and I got that nickname back in college. I played Division One soccer. Every time I would take the ball and start sprinting down the line, they just say, oh, he's Hella Good. Growing up in West Africa, Mali, soccer is the number one sports. We just love playing and we love watching the, the top players on TV. We're trying to play like them. We're trying to score goals the way they do and how they celebrate. We live in, a, in an area where there's dirt, so we would use our feet and trace and make marks. Like, you would literally make the whole soccer field. So in order to still see the line, we will go into our kitchens. So when we make food, they make food with wood and charcoal. Everybody will fill that up in a can from their house. We get to the field, so the path that we create with our feet, we spray that chalky gray-white powder along these lines so it looks like the white soccer lines. and we pick teams, say, you're Brazil, you're Argentina. We always take the South American teams because they were the best in the world at the time when I was young. We would just pick players and we would be like, you're Thierry Henry, you're Luis Figo. And I'll say, I'm Ronaldo, Ronaldo Di Nazario. Sometimes you just paint their numbers on your back, like on your bare skin. We would recruit our own team within the neighborhood. And the next neighborhood is like within five minute walk. We go play them in their neighborhood. We call Ali, which is away. And no pressure was there. We did it because we wanted to, and no one was yelling at us. When I came to the U.S., it, it got a little competitive. Also, there started being consequence. If you don't do something right, the punishment was, let's make you run. So I get to college. We added more to that because I was playing under a coach. His mindset was, we might not be the most skillful team in the country, but we're going to be the fittest team in the country. And to a point that um, sometimes even the track team would joke around, you guys are the UMass track team or the soccer team? Because whenever they go by the field, they just see us just huffing and puffing. So I just started hating running. I would cramp up in my calves and my lungs would be burning and my hamstring would be on fire. I just started having fear for it. And it wasn't like a fear where like I, I hated the game, but it was just fear of going to practice for that specific reason. You're getting yelled at, like it's not enough, even though you feel like you're giving your absolute best. Almost 400 players, I was one of 20 picked up to face the U.S. Youth National Team. And all of those teams are after me, phone calls. Teams are telling me, hey, we, we want this player. We like his skill set. So I, I was approached by Sporting Kansas City my senior year, and they just were one of the top teams in the MLS and won the MLS Cup the year that I finished college. I was told, hey, you're going to get picked up in the draft. So there's domestic roster spots and international roster spots. At the time, I don't know if that's changed. I haven't really looked into it. It was only eight players that could be picked up per team, and the rest have to be domestic players. 
So the assistant coach at Sporting Kansas City was like, hey, hello, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the reality is right now, uh, we'd rather have a young player that is a U.S. citizen that's not as talented as you, but we can develop them. We don't have to worry about the, the paperwork side of it. But also we can pick up a big European player that can sell jerseys and tickets and that can tick the spot versus I'm somebody who, who hasn't made a name for himself. He was just telling me the reality. It wasn't even his decision. Just seeing that, it, it is frustrating and it's tough and your goal is to, to play the game that you love and it's getting pulled away from you. I just started just hating everything, really. I'm not a doctor. I do think there's some depression looking back. But when you're in that spot, nothing matters. Someone could smile at you or like could even want to hug you. You want nothing to do with that. It all came down to, all right, I'm pissed at everything, but let me stop making excuses and just look at myself and just deal with what I can handle, what I'm in control of. That's literally how it started. It was like a looking at myself in a mere moment. You know, what can you do with yourself right now? What are you in control of? I literally had that conversation with myself. Being an athlete, you, you always fall back on your physical ability because it makes you feel a certain way mentally. And you like challenging yourself. You like competing on the field, challenges. So I was just like, what are you going to do now? You tell yourself you're going to go to the gym every day for a week. You can't even last three days. Do something and hold yourself accountable for once and be consistent. So that is what led me to, in 2017, when I just said, what is a fear of mine that I want to face? And running was the first thing that hit my mind. It was a two-week goal and 10 minutes a day within the first week. I didn't care about distance. It was time. I would just start my watch. And then within 10 minutes, I'd be done. So I'd be just over a mile. The 10 minutes goal wasn't because I couldn't do more than 10 minutes. It was just attainable. I just knew that it wasn't like so much where I'm going to hate it. That didn't last more than a week. I was like, even within the first week, I was going as far as four miles, which is way longer than 10 minutes, but I'd get lost in it. It wasn't about pace or anything or distance. It was about just being out there in the present moment. Ran every day for two weeks. And I said, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I can see myself doing this for the rest of my life. But let me do it every day for a year. And now we're here to running every day for 1,989 consecutive days, about to hit 2,000 consecutive days. Then running across the U.S., doing a 100-mile race and still loving it like day one. Things that aren't necessarily working on in life, it doesn't mean it's the end of you. It just means that it's preparing you for something even greater. You just got to focus on what you can control and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Right now, I would not trade this for anything. Nope, I would not. Hella Sidibe is a runner, speaker, and content creator. He has run for more than 2,000 consecutive days. In 2021, he ran across the United States. In September of 2022, he competed in the Leadville Trail 100 Ultra Marathon. You can learn more about him on his website, hellagood.com. That's hella, H-E-L-L-A-H, good.com. This story was produced by Sarah Vitak. We want to hear your stories. Please nominate the people in your life who found a way to rally. Go to outsideonline.com slash daily rally, where you can also see photos of many of our guests. 
The Daily Rally was created for Outside by me, Kat Jaffe, and House of Pod. The executive producer for Outside is Michael Roberts. Additional production and script editing by Marin Larson. Our audio editors are Kevin Seaman and Benny Beausoleil. And our music is composed by Louis Weeks. We appreciate our Outside Plus members who make this show possible. If you're not already a member, you can join us at outsideonline.com slash pod plus. Thank you for listening.